Yeah, we should be fine. Let me, yeah, yeah, we're good. No, yeah, we're good. Uh, so howdy everyone. Welcome to a new season of Insert Title here. I am your host, Raul Reeds, and I have a very special guest with me. Would you like to introduce yourself to my fellow guests? Uh, yeah, sure. Thanks, Raul. Uh, my name is Brandon. Uh, I am the author of uh, a book that just went up for pre-order today, uh, Those We Left Behind and Other Sacrifices. It's my uh, debut short story collection, uh, mostly horror with some dark fantasy stuff in there. And uh, yeah, I'm really, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining me. I know it's, uh, you, you live in Texas, correct? I do. Yeah. Live yeah so near Austin. State. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Austin. Yeah, yeah awesome. uh, near Dallas. Oh, very cool, yeah, man. So yeah, we're not, not very that, far away. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I wanted to, wanted to ask you, how are you doing today? Oh, good, man. Uh, I'm uh, I'm off work for this occasion, so that's that's pretty nice. What? That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't take the whole day, but I took the afternoon. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm pretty uh, pretty happy to be here instead of there. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, so I'm gonna dive right in. Simple questions, you know. The first question would be. What made you want to become a writer? It's, uh, I've heard people say it's very cliche that to have always wanted to do that. But seriously, like when I was, a, when I was a little kid, uh, I was a, a much more avid reader than I am now. And it was all horror books and stuff like that. Uh, I used to steal my mom's horror books that were way too old for my reader set. So, or for my, <laughs> for my reading age. Uh, so, you know, I, I always kind of had this idea in my head uh, of, of being a writer and telling stories like those people. And so it was, uh, it was something I was always kind of uh, on the road towards doing. It just took me like 37 years to really get it done. So, <laughs> You know what? It's better late than ever. You're in, you're on the right path. <laughs> you're good. So it's fine. Um, yep. I want to say hi to chat. Brad, Sandra, Daniel, Andreas, David. Thank you guys for joining us. They're all here to watch you. Thank you guys for stopping by on this beautiful Monday afternoon. All right. So I want to ask you, what's the best advice you've been given? What's the best advice you received, actually? It's a really good question. And uh, I've gotten a lot of advice uh, from from different people. I think uh, one of the things that I did uh, during quarantine uh, was I uh, joined the, the Horror Writers Association. Uh, well, I joined the Horror Writers Association for one thing, but I also did their mentorship program. And my mentor was uh, Rena Mason, who uh, wrote oh. some some really awesome books. Uh, one of them, uh, the evolutionist and East end girls, uh, she's great. And one of the things that she was very adamant with me about, because I have this, uh, I, I have this, uh, proclivity to really put a lot of pressure on myself, especially about timing. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, she, she was very, uh, she impressed upon me a lot that when you're writing one, when you're writing and one, when you're looking at critique, give yourself the time that you need. And so a lot of times I'll, I'll stretch out spaces in between stories that I'm writing more than I probably should, but it just gives me a lot of time to, to, to get into the process a little bit better. And also (laughs) she never pulled her punches when she would give me critique. They were sometimes pretty, uh, pretty, pretty hard stuff. And, and, and it was good. It was good for me as a writer, but at the same time I had to give some space between receiving it and looking at it sometimes. And so uh, just giving yourself the time that you need to do the job uh, is is a kindness, I think. I think that's the best kind of person to have in your corner where they can give you like 
honest feedback because that's yeah. hard to come by. A lot of people are scared to hurt feelings. Yeah. Um, and they're not obvious. They obviously don't, they like, they try to sugarcoat things for you. And yeah. They, and that kind of hinders your growth as a writer because you want to know what you're doing wrong. Yeah. No, yeah. it completely, it completely can. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I have a group of people right now that, that are, uh, that work with me as critique partner partners and beta readers. Uh, Alexis Dubon is, is somebody who I work with a lot. Alfred Alley is somebody who I work with a lot. And, you know, the best kind of critiques that I get for them are the ones where from them are the ones where they don't pull their punches. And, uh, and I find that incredibly valuable. I want to also ask you about your writing space. I'm <laughs> a big person. Like I'm big on like everything around me can be a mess. That's fine. But if this like little square of area where I need yeah. to work is clean and like neat. Yeah. I can get things done. Yeah. So what do you need in your writing space to help you stay focused? <laughs> uh, quiet mostly, which is a commodity around here. I have a three-year-old uh, who you will probably hear during the course of this interview. Uh, running around the house and probably yelling right outside that door right there. But, <laughs> but uh, quiet is pretty important for me, or, or at least just the ability to kind of focus it out. Uh, good lighting helps, uh, which is kind of funny to say, but if it's kind of low light, dim in my office, it's good. And, uh, you know, I, I also uh, like it to smell good. So I have like candles and stuff that I hang out with in here. Uh, but outside of that, like, like that's that's really my space, you know. But yeah. Do you have any reading? Uh, not not reading. Do you have any writing snacks or like any writing drinks that you need to have <laughs> during the process? Yeah. Uh, well, it's important to stay hydrated. So as much as I want to sit around and drink soda the whole time I'm doing it, I really <laughs> I really shouldn't do that. Uh, so I keep a bottle of water close by. Uh, coffee if it's the morning uh, on the weekends, uh, and then. Uh, uh, yeah, snack-wise, I'm probably way too much of a potato chip fan. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, so the next question would be, what's your favorite writing trope? Okay, so... Um... I have one that uh, you know if you if you if uh, if you guys read the book uh, at all, you'll probably see this a lot in there. Uh, it, it's something that I use a lot, and it probably is my favorite uh, thing storytelling wise when I'm reading too. Is the whole idea of the protagonist was the monster the whole time, or the or the monster was something totally unexpected? Like uh, you'll see, there's a number of uh, stories in the book where uh, the the, the kid is the monster. Like you never see that happen uh, or at least uh, not often. So I, I like the monster or the, the, the scare to come from something unexpected. That uh, I got that off. I believe uh, the, well, the first story bedtime story I yeah. got off, I got that towards the end. I was like, no, this person's not going to be, the antagonist and then when you laid it on us i was like wait oh, oh man that is a child why <laughs> yeah no i i that's that was kind of the point of that one was and and i won't i won't spoil the story too much for for folks who intend to read it but uh yeah i really wanted that one actually my inspiration for that one and Roel, when we were chatting before you mentioned this was uh the movie the princess bride where the uh, grandfather reads his grandson uh, a story, uh, a bedtime story, essentially, when he's sick. Uh, and actually, 
I'll tell you a little bit more about that one too, because uh, it was fun because I got the idea. I was reading Ray Bradbury's uh, book, uh, Zen and the Art of Writing. And mm -hmm. he gave, and he's got this great process where he does like this word association game with himself to try and come up with story ideas. Uh, and really what he does is he goes through and he just comes up with titles, just like bizarre things like the thing at the top of the staircase or, you know, just, you know, weird things that he'll come up with and just list out as many of them as he can. And he'll try to write stories for as many of them as he can come up with a good idea for. And so I was reading that and I was in a slump myself and I couldn't really come up with anything. And so I went online and just started refreshing a story title generator. Uh, and it came up as bedtime story. And the first thing that popped into my head was that scene from the princess bride. And then this story happened and it all goes very wrong very quickly. So. <laughs> yeah. I was getting the. I was like, I feel like it was that scene, but you put your twist on it. Yeah. It's oh, a very thanks. dark twist, but it's a yeah. twist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad yeah. that comes through because it's definitely what was in my head. So. Yeah. It's, it gets a lot of these stories because I read this before, by the way, thank you for the art copy. Of course. Uh, a lot of these stories do have such a dark twist to them that <laughs> you you know it's gonna happen after what, like a couple of stories. Yeah. But the, like this, every story is so like innocent and like so. Um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? It's like you have no idea that it's gonna happen. Like it's so <laughs> right in, not innocent. Innocent might be the word, but it's like. You did such a great job. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Um, <laughs> because you, by the end, I'm like, what the. Uh, this, I think it's Tea Party. That's the one that I remember. Oh yeah, because of the, of the, of that. Uh, it was in the woods, correct? And it's like, is it yeah. supposed to be mosquitoes? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, they kind of play that way, right? But yeah. what I was, what I was, what I was shooting for really uh, was uh, was fairies. But you oh, don't really, you don't really get that until the ending of it. Yeah. Right? But uh, at the at the very beginning, they they come across as bugs or insects mm -hmm. uh, that, that buzz around and flit and kind of stay in your peripheral. Yeah, yeah, but, it's, it's a good story. It's, it's oh, good thanks, story. man. Uh, <laughs> you know who I think would relate to that one the most? Like anybody who has kids. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I was thinking about it afterwards. Uh, uh, because I'm uh, obviously I don't have kids yet. I was thinking, I, kids. Are, like, if you think about it, wouldn't it be so scary if your kids, like, try to kill you? Like, how scary would that be? Like, yeah, they're, like, this bundle of joy and whatever. But, like, yeah. they can turn on you if they wanted to. They, like, they could. Well, like, well and the, and like, the idea for... Oh, sorry. Like, turn on the corner, right? Like that. I'm yeah, like, yeah, know. just like it. Well, you know, the, and the idea for that story does come a little bit from uh, that whole idea. You know, I, I have two daughters. I have a, I have a nine-year-old and a three-year-old. Uh both of them absolutely the love of my life but at the same time like a lot so much of this book comes from because i've been writing this book for years honestly like a lot of these stories came from uh like i started writing seriously in 2016 i started writing the stories in this book in like 2018 2019 around about and uh I was writing them for like medium and posting them up on there for people to see and stuff like that. And they've been through a few iterations since then. But during that time, like I've, uh, my, my nine-year-old daughter has grown up a lot. My uh, three-year-old was born. Right. And then, and, and then is now three. And so there's, there's so much anxiety and so much 
fear and so much everything that goes into being a new dad or even just being a dad in general. Right. Uh, and so much of that found its way into the stories in the book. And I was, I was worried that people would be like, ah, this guy is afraid of his kids or, or you know, something negative about it. And it's really not meant that way. This, this book is kind of a, a, a free expression of that, I guess, of just that sort of fear and anxiety that these things would never happen. But at the same time, like, what if they did? Holy crap. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of where it comes from. That what if feeling. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's scary if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, so as a booktuber, I'm a big avid reader. I read a, a You can cuss on this channel, by the way. I read a oh, shit ton of books. Uh, yeah. Do you consider yourself an avid reader? I do, but I don't get as much time to do it as I want to do, or as I want to. And so I, I try to get through, I try to get through like 50 books a year or something like that is my typical, uh, is my typical number. I only sometimes hit it. I think I'm at like 25 right now, uh, including my own book for the year. So not bad. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I wish I had more time for reading, but usually I've got like four hours after the kids go to bed at night to actually really get lost in something. Uh, I, I love to read short stories and I hate having to put a short story down in the middle of it. Uh, it always bothers me. Uh, and so I like to do it when distractions are at a minimum and I only get so much of that time, but I, I do love reading. I always have. And as an author, I'm pretty sure you have to decide between reading or writing and obviously <laughs> which one's going to win. <laughs> yeah. That, that becomes a, that becomes a, a that becomes more of a like an issue when I'm like dead in the middle of writing uh, something that I'm really excited about, but I also have a book that I'm reading that I'm really excited about, and then I have to like weigh that out. But uh, you know, it, a lot of times I'm doing one or the other. <laughs> uh, so, and I want to ask you a little bit about your childhood when it comes to like your reading habits. Uh, do you remember yeah. your favorite childhood book by any chance? Okay, yeah. So I've got a few here because it depends on what part of my childhood you're talking about. Like when I was little, like five or something like that. Or, or like your teen years, if that makes it like sure. easier. Yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah. And I, and I, let me talk about it. But this one, I actually have a funny theory on this. So one of my favorite books ever, not just in childhood is I am legend by Richard Matheson. Uh, when I was a very little kid, and, and and I mean, spoiler alert! If you if you've never read that book and you want to plug your ears, but uh, the whole thing turns out that and this is the ultimate. He was the monster the whole time trope, right? Uh, and so uh, at the end of it, it turns out he was he was the bad guy throughout the throughout the entire book. Uh, and then, but uh, uh, when I was little, my favorite book in the world was the monster at the end of the book. It was this little golden book with with uh, with uh, Grover the Muppet in it, and he tries to stop you from getting to the end of the book the whole time, and then he gets to the last page, and it turns out the monster at the end of the book was him. And I'm like, oh, this is just Richard Matheson for toddlers. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, that's actually I I love that you said that. My favorite thing is like a uh, not only a, a false protagonist, a, a narrator that you can't really rely on. Yeah. I, I like the because you know when people are like, oh, you got to hear both sides of the story. And then sometimes one of the yeah. persons like swaying you to be like, no, I, I'm correct. Yeah. But in reality, like they're the bad guys. I've had that issue so many times where I'm like, guys, 
this person is like no bueno like this is not <laughs> and they're like no no you're just being mean you're just being tough but at the end when they find out that it's i'm like i told you that's <laughs> i love i love those kind of stories oh me too what's so great about them is that what and what's so great about that trope is that it's all about perspective none of us is ever and, and this goes for real life this goes for stories no i i sincerely believe that no human being ever is the villain on purpose there's no such thing right nobody's twirling mustaches there's no snidely whiplash i'm showing my age i used to watch rocky and bullwinkle and all that kind of stuff but uh, uh but there's no there's no mustache twirling evil villains in the world right there's only people who are trying to do the right thing and doing it either really well or really badly right (laughs) and that's what i love so much about that trope is that it relies entirely on that perspective yeah i think the 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 best example of that that i've seen it it's on the sequel to ant-man do you remember oh yeah 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 that's a perfect one like in her eyes she was doing the right thing by her but in their eyes they were doing the right thing by them and it's like oh man it's just like see she's not even the bad guy it's just like the like the conflict of like it's just that's yeah. why there's a conflict between them because to them it's bad but to her it's like necessary yeah so, so yeah that's like what's the word i'm looking for that's that's what it reminded me of yeah no it's perfect this is a perfect yeah uh, um, so i like to get to know authors a little bit and uh yeah last time i asked this i haven't asked it since just because the response like had me cracking up uh <laughs> so what is one thing that people might not know about you obviously if you whatever you don't mind sharing. Go oh, ahead. sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one thing that people might not know about me, there's probably a lot of things people don't know about me because, uh, you know, most people haven't heard of me, me and my writing or my books or anything like that yet, but uh, maybe they will one day. Uh, I'll, I'll do something safe though. Uh, I am an avid collector and builder of Legos. Uh, so you can't see it, but up on top of me here, uh, I have a whole Lego town built. Uh, all the way across the top of these bookshelves. Uh, and then I have like a, a, a pretty large replica of the Ghostbusters Ecto-1 over there. Uh, I've got I've got some cool stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wouldn't have like, no, like you're a horror author. That, right. It's, look, I don't see it, you know? <laughs> that, that's new to me. That's so cool. Uh, are those the Ninja Turtles behind you? Or what is that? Oh, oh, that's Yoda. Oh, there's Yoda. Yeah, there's uh, Darth Revan from Knights of the Old Republic. I'm a Star Wars fan. These guys are uh, Avatar, the last airbender. Here's uh, Captain Picard face palming because, uh, you know, I have to use that periodically. <laughs> That's the mood. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I, I collect a lot of stuff. It's one of the reasons I have these bookshelves behind me. That's so cool. I like your, that's your office space, right? Yeah, yeah. Now this is where I write and do my work and everything else, so. Is that a real typewriter behind you, or is that like a, a, a prop? It is, yeah. This is a Smith Corona Sterling, uh, and I forget the year model of it, but I want to say 40s or 50s. And then this is a 60s Royal back here, actually. I have two typewriters. Oh, I just, I just noticed you have two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to pay more attention. <laughs> no, um, no worries. No, it's behind my head. <laughs> I see it now. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you, if you weren't a writer, what would you be doing right now? Oh, you know, it's a good, well, for one thing, I'd be at work because I wouldn't have requested time off to chat with you. Uh, But, uh, you know, I am, uh, my day job is in technology. So I've always done like computer programming or website building, that kind of stuff. 
Uh, I also love to play video games, uh, so I'll probably be doing some of that. I said computer, and Alexa went off. Computer, stop. <laughs> Alexa said, "Who me?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I use that as her wake word, but the, but you can't say you can't say computer, man. Oh my god. <laughs> technology technology man uh but yeah no i'd probably be doing that kind of stuff because uh i am uh generally a computer nerd uh so that's that's kind of how i roll that's so cool um <laughs> so i love talking about silly question i love talking about power, like superpowers okay if you, if you can have any superpower in the world which one would it be oh man so it's a good question, and it's one that obviously, based on the type of stuff in my office, I've considered previously. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, from a superpowers perspective, I think I would probably enjoy flight a lot. Uh, uh, depends on whether or not it's coupled with speed. I don't want to be a really slow flyer. But, <laughs> Imagine, uh, like 20 miles per hour. <laughs> you're like, when am I going to get there? <laughs> yeah, no, you want to get out of there. I, I, I like it because there's just, uh, you know, uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm, I'm a person who deals with a fair level of social anxiety, and it'd be nice to once in a while just get in those really awkward situations, just be like, you know what, guys? I'm out. Just like, and just fly off into the sky. I, I, I could get behind that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a good one. I actually never thought about like if flight is like the same thing as speed. Because oh yeah, you, well yeah. you think it is right, but <laughs> you would think yeah, because you've seen whenever someone flies is like really fast. But what if you go yeah. slow? That's so funny. Yeah, what if um, you can only fly as fast as you can run? I'm a slow runner. Oh, I'm not going to get anywhere. Fast. <laughs> Might as well walk. Yeah. Uh, so the next question would be: Do you feel like it's most? This is about writing, by the way. Do okay. you feel like it's most important to have a strong characters, B, mind blowing plot twist, or C, an epic setting? That's a good question. So, I I struggle between character and plot as the most important thing, but I'll probably go with character because. You have to care about whoever it is that you're reading about. It's incredibly important. And whatever, it's hard to do in, it, it can be sometimes a little bit tough to do in short stories just because you want to rely on shorthand. And sometimes I do uh, in order to, to, to get people to care about, like this is this type of person, this is that type of person. But the stronger you can make that character, the more people are going to be attached to it. And then when you get to that mind-blowing plot twist, because you do need both, whatever that whatever that thing is that happens to them hits 20 times harder because you care and then epic settings i mean in my book things happen typically in very mundane settings except for like the last story so uh i i, I like the mundane setting because it's a backdrop that sort of catches you unawares when something crazy yeah. happens there's just like this face like face oh my god there's like this uh fake sense of safety that I've noticed in your stories yeah. where you think just because we're in this place, nothing's yeah. going to happen. Right. But I like the fact that you use that to your advantage. It's like, no, 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 motherfucker. I got you. <laughs> I want you. Um, no, I love that. I love that. I like that that comes across. I, I try really hard to, to start it in places that like, there are places in your house that, are often big drivers of anxiety that shouldn't be. There's a mm -hmm. there's a story in my book that takes place in the shower 
And I think everybody Let's has go. that that low level anxiety of like this is a place where I'm really vulnerable, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, and that's why I put it there because I'm standing there in the shower going like uh, I don't want to I got to get the soap out of my eyes so I can see because I don't really want to great psycho all the way. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not gonna get me with this one. I think yeah. the other uh, it's so funny that you said that because every time I'm in the attic, I'm yeah. always scared. Yeah, uh, I like to train everything like a bunch of lights on around me. Yeah, uh, the crawling space underneath, like the oh yeah, the house. That's like the worst one. Like because you, there's no lights down there. You have to use like a flashlight, and yeah, I, you just feel like something's right like behind well, you. Well, and it's a crawl space, right? So it's tight, yeah, so you can't like, turn around. You don't have full range of motion. Yeah, man, that's like, that'll get you. If someone gets you in there, um, <laughs> so yeah, because obviously when you read a story and you're like. The setting is like let's say for example a haunted house you expect something to go down if right. you're like in a um in a creepy part of town you know something's gonna happen yeah but if you're like at a tea party do you expect something to happen no. right <laughs> you <expect laughs> well that, I, I love stories that do that because it's it, it's like and don't get me wrong i love a haunted house book uh, mm-hmm. some of my favorite books in the world are books that take place in houses that seem like they should be haunted. Right. But, yeah. but at the same time, like I love when a story can subvert that because uh, it removes that sense of safety, like you said. So if yeah. it happens in like an apartment or if it happens in like a newly built house or a suburban neighborhood, you don't necessarily think of those settings as being uh as being haunted like there's there's one moment in and i I'm sorry i really like talking about my book so no, uh, yeah, yeah, this, this is what it's about <laughs> there's a there's a story called the goat man uh, that happens i think it's like halfway through the book uh and that's a, that's based on a real place uh that i that uh, is near uh was near the house where i grew up i grew up out in the country out in the middle of nowhere it was always dark out there and there was this place that was supposed to be the goat man bridge and you were supposed to park on top of it with your car and honk your horn three times and the goat man would come out and get you i don't know why anybody would ever do that it's silly but you know a bunch of teenagers would go out there and drink and stuff like that and when i finally and when i finally found out where it was and went out there to it it was Literally, the creek was a trickle, just a little trickle through. It was barely even noticeable, noticeably there. And the bridge that was over it was just a slab of concrete that probably wasn't any longer than my desk right here. And so it just, it just you know, like five feet wide, maybe. And so, uh, and when I saw it, I was like, well, this is ridiculous. This is not the kind of place that would be haunted, even though it's in the yeah. middle of a dark cow pasture, you know, it would never be haunted. Uh, but when I when I started thinking about this because I started writing that with the idea of writing a story about an urban legend that I grew up with, and uh, <laughs> I saw Cassandra say BuzzFeed Supernatural. I love that show. That's a really good show. BuzzFeed Supernatural with yeah. I think it's Ryan and um, yes, I forget the other guy's name. Shane. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I love brilliant that. show. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they did do a piece on the Goatman Bridge. I loved it. Uh, but it's a really ubiquitous urban legend. Uh, but I love the idea that mine was just a little slab of concrete. That was my Goatman bridge. And it was not at all. Uh, it, did, it didn't look like it should be haunted. But if it was, that would be really bizarre. <laughs> so this is like a local urban, urban legend? 
Yeah, it happens uh, in a in a bunch of little towns. Like, hey, we had our Goatman Bridge, but I've heard of other towns that got that have them for sure. Something similar. That's crazy. I yeah. gotta watch that episode though. Uh, yeah, JB, you have to check it out for sure. Um, okay, Andreas has a question. I would come out if I was sitting under a bridge and someone would be going keen on her four. Who's the bad guy? Yeah, <laughs> I would be. Too, I would be upset too. Like, what do you guys want? I can imagine the goat man. Like, cut it out. Why are you? Guys, <laughs> why are you guys keep honking? Yeah. Oh, I know, right? And and what I love about it is that the whole legend is like they don't really tell you what happens when the ghost when the goat man comes yeah. out. Like the goat man's gonna come get you. Well, what does that mean? He's gonna get yeah. you. Uh, What's he gonna do? Maybe he's just gonna get mad at you, like beat on the window of your car and get yeah, off my bridge. Knock that shit out. What are you doing? <laughs> um, so I want I want to ask you another silly question. So growing up, I, I'm a big fan of cartoons. Like, yeah. I love Pokemon. I love yeah, dude. Um, like all that stuff. Uh, so do you remember your favorite cartoon show growing up? I do, I do. Hold on. <laughs> Holding. 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 Here's my uh, here's my He-Man from Masters in the Ooh. Universe. Masters in the Universe, astride Battle Cat. My uh, I, I this was my favorite cartoon growing up, and my uh, I, I still love it enough that my daughters know about it and got me that for for uh, Father's Day. So oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to get Pokemon stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and my daughter is actually i so i kind of missed the pokemon train a little bit like it was it was it was definitely around but i wasn't as into it as i was into other things when i was a kid but my daughter is absolutely obsessed with it she has like a stuffed pikachu that she walks around with we watch <laughs> all the shows so i got a uh retroactive education in pokemon recently yeah it's i think they're uh it's their 25th anniversary this year so it's oh really it hasn't been it hasn't been around for a long time it, I, it came out when i was born around that time i'm turning 26 this year yeah yeah yeah. or in a couple of weeks so it's like i'm i just like made it um <laughs> so we're gonna do a couple of rapid fire questions obviously right. trying, if you guys have questions uh feel free to ask questions on chat and if i see them i'll ask them as i see them yeah uh, but for right now i'm gonna ask, ask some rapid fire questions all right first one music or silence Silence, definitely. Or if there's music, you can't have vocals. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, ooh, instrumentals. Cool, cool. I didn't know that. Ebook or physical? Physical is preferable. Oh. Ebook for convenience. <laughs> Plotter or pantser? Pantser. So much a pantser. Love that. Uh, favorite writing snack? Uh, potato chips. Cliffhanger or told all? Typically told all. Nice yeah. thing. There you go. That was another one that came out. JB, you're so young, bro. You're like six days older than me. Relax. You're good. You're good. Uh, yep. The new Masters of the Universe series on Netflix is pretty good. I have to check that out. I just got my Netflix renewed. So. Yep, I watched this. Not bad. Hi, Thomas. Oh, yeah. Hi, Thomas. I didn't see you earlier on here. So, hi, <laughs> everybody who has joined, because I know people trickle in as we continue. All right. So, we're going to talk more. This part of the show is more focused on the book uh, okay. obviously we don't give spoilers on this channel that's not our game that's not the way we go because it hinders your chances of getting your readers <laughs> we found that out the hard way um so we're gonna talk a little bit about the book right now okay First off, the title okay those we left behind and other sacrifices is the title the cover was actually just revealed today before we went live Oh, you have it on you. Oh, that is so cool. Yep. Okay. There it is. Uh, There's the art. 
pretty cool, right? So it's an astronaut. Okay, so this uh, this the cover is actually a so it's a painting is actually an oil painting. I was in, I was super impressed uh, by a Peruvian art, artist uh, named uh, Christopher Castillo Diaz, and uh, I asked him if he could illustrate a scene from one of the stories in the book, in particular the the title story, "Those We Left Behind," which actually does take place in space. So yes, there is an astronaut there. Yeah, because uh, I saw the title. I saw the not the title, the cover of the book. Yeah. Earlier, earlier today. And yeah. I was like, first of all, I was shocked at how. What's the word? It captures the essence of these stories so well. Yeah. Like that. Uh, there's like a sense of innocence. Yeah. But there's danger in that innocence without giving anything away. Yeah. Uh, so kudos congratulations to the uh to the cover artist because it's amazing i want to see it in person oh so, no do you know when these uh physical copies are going out uh so yeah actually so i moved the date of uh actual release up mm -hmm. some so i was gonna do it in early december i decided you know i didn't want pre-orders to go on for all that long yeah. uh so uh so i'm gonna actually release this thing on november 23rd uh so that's uh that's a the tuesday birthday. yeah the oh birthday. is that your birthday the day after my birthday oh the day after your happy yeah. birthday man yeah. but uh yeah so i'm gonna release it on november 23rd uh and uh after that so what i'm doing right now i'm taking pre-orders on my website for physical copies you guys can go uh, uh thank you andreas uh you guys can go to uh Applegate.com, Applegate.com, however you want to say it, uh, and uh, go to my website, click on pre-order a signed copy uh, when they're available because Amazon doesn't let you, you know, like pre-order uh, physicals. But uh, when they're available, I'll order them all, I'll sign them all, and I'll send them to you guys. So it'll be after November 23rd. Nice. Uh, so I want to talk about the title. So the yeah. title is somewhat of a mouthful. Are you a <laughs> fan of long titles? It uh, depends. It really does depend. Uh, a lot of people have just been shortening it to those we left behind. And I think that's yeah. fine. Uh, so it's not so much that I'm a fan of long titles because some of the stories in the book have like one word titles, like elevator yeah. or two word titles, like tea party uh, or a bedtime story. But uh, those we have left behind is probably my favorite story in the book. So I went ahead and titled the book after it and, and mm. uh, pushed, uh, pushed that story to the last one. Uh, so that's what I did there. And then the and other sacrifices thing. I'm a big fan of the trend where, because uh, most short story collections are called and other stories or something like mm. that. Like that's the subtitle. But I love it when you, they replace stories with something else. Gordon B. White did that with his collection. It's and other disruptions. Uh, I think, uh, oh, who was it? Um, John Langan uh, did that with the... Uh, uh, if you've ever seen his book, he's got one called The Wide Carnivorous Sky and Other Monstrous Geographies. And I love that title. Uh, and so uh, so I wanted to do that with mine. And when I came up with, uh, the first thing I came up with was And Other Failures, which uh, my wife hated because she thought it sounded like I was calling the stories failures. And I wasn't. But that is a prevalent theme in the stories. Like the the so many of the people in these stories who are intended to be uh, 
the protector to have their stuff together they don't and they fail to to do whatever it is that they were they meant to do uh the but I, I changed it because I didn't want it to do what my wife said, which is to make the stories sound like failures, because I don't believe they are. Uh, I changed it to sacrifices because I think there's also an underlying theme of sacrifice in a lot of the stories in the book. How did you come up with the title? I know the title is yeah. um, there's a story in there called Those Be yeah. Left Behind, yeah. But how did you come up with that title? Yeah, that so that so that title itself is um. Well, it's a little bit of a spoiler, so I don't want to do too much on, on, in the way of spoilers. Uh, but I will say that there is uh, people in that story are seeing. It's a story that takes place on Mars in space, uh, on the surface of Mars, like in a Mars colony that's newly started. And people are the, the basic premise of it is the main character and some other people are seeing people standing on the surface of Mars at a distance that they left behind on planet Earth. And so they like that doesn't make any sense, right? They're standing out there without spacesuits or anything else, so they, they would be essentially dead. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but that's how Marks. I came up with it. Those we left behind is kind of a pretty literal interpretation of that plot point. Yeah, it's pretty literal. If you think about it, those we left behind, you left yeah. them behind. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I want to ask you about the writing process. Yeah, because uh, I'm always I'm super nosy. I listen to know what people go through. Yeah. Uh, What's one thing that surprised you the most during the writing process of those we left behind? Honestly, with this book, the it, it's been really weird because I didn't decide to do it until uh, just earlier this year. Like I, I'm a short story writer at heart. Like I, I want to try novels. I want to try novellas, but I have a pretty deep love of the medium of short story. Um, uh, even when I was a kid, my first Stephen King book was was probably Skeleton Crew, like, uh, and and it's one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, uh, I see somebody talking about Bradbury's Mars stories. The Martian Chronicles is is literally one of my all time favorites. Uh, but well, and one second, but um, yeah, so what surprised me when I was doing this was literally the idea of just thinking about doing it because all I was trying to do is get my short stories published. Right. I wanted to get it in a magazine. I wanted to get it in an anthology on a website, something like that. And so when I came up with the idea to actually just do this, uh, it was weird. And I've been, I've been trying to kind of feel it out ever since and get something put together that actually works. But I never thought about putting together a collection, especially before, you know, I'd had a few more publications under my belt. So is it safe to say that this collection is a quarantine baby? The collection itself is a quarantine is a quarantine baby, even if some of the stories in it aren't. Uh, I would say about half the stories were written in quarantine and half the stories were written before. Uh, and um, not sure what where that dividing line is, actually. It's funny. The one story that deals with a uh, disease quarantine. There's one flash fiction piece in there that deals with that. That was written before quarantine. I didn't even know it was going to happen. So that's kind of funny. Uh, but uh, it was written right before it. So maybe some news snuck in and I really wasn't paying attention. Like maybe self-consciously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> a good story. It's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, um, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I, I would I would call the, the project of the book itself a quarantine book. During this time, uh, this another just to get to know you. Uh, yeah. During this time, did you pick up any new hobbies or anything? Uh, 
Ah, uh, you know, it's funny. And I'm not just trying to bring this back to the book. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's kind of funny that this, this part of my life, the writing part, the publishing part really, really, uh, Hey, look, that's my mom. Hi mom. That's your mom. Yeah. Hi, Cindy mom. Is my mom. Hi mom. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, this part of my life really ramped up a lot during quarantine. Like I would do it part time, off to the side. Like I would, uh, there would be moments at, where I was at work at my office, and I would kind of sneak off to a little breakout room and and uh, uh, start uh, and, and write a couple of paragraphs, you know. But during quarantine, this really stepped up and turned into something that I was really serious about. Uh, and so uh, I would I would say that this is probably the biggest hobby that I picked up during quarantine. Uh, uh, yeah, and I'm struggling to think of anything else, really. <laughs> I, I'm great. a person of many hobbies. I have a lot of hobbies. I collect things. I write. I, I build Legos and build other stuff. Uh, you know, I play with my kids, all that stuff. But most of that stuff was around before. No, it's it's great. During this time, if anything, it allowed a lot of creative people to be creative because we, even though it's a, it was a hard time that everyone yeah. went through, we were able to pause life a little bit and just kind of yeah. like self-indulge in things we normally wouldn't do because we're so busy doing everything else yeah. so i'm i'm glad that you were able to get something positive out of this because it's yeah. great that you were able to actually sit down and write this because it's it's a great collection of stories thank you um insane so uh if you could pick i know this is hard because people always like oh i can't pick a favorite but if you had to if you could pick one favorite short story from this collection, which one would it be? That's that's a tough question. They're all my babies. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, they they all sort of represent different perspectives or parts of me that that um, or thoughts or feelings that I've had at different points in the past two, three, four years that um, you know have have been really uh, what's the word. There have been things that have changed me or ideas that have uh, that have really impacted and affected me. That said, Those We Left Behind is probably my favorite, probably, because I like how it sort of time travels back and forth between and the narrative does not the not the characters, but, uh, you know, it's told partially through memory uh, of previous events uh, and partially in the present. And I really like that story style. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, Tea Party probably vies really closely with that one for a favorite, just because it's a really personal story. Uh, and also it was written around a dad joke. Like the whole idea of it just sort of germinated around this one really silly dad joke. And I challenge you to find it. I'm not going to tell you the joke. Uh, I challenge you to find it. Read the read the book. Uh, and when you get to the last scene that's from the daughter's perspective, you'll see this this really stupid joke just sort of pop out. And it's it, that was the seed of the whole story. Uh, and then actually, there's three stories in this book that are connected and take place in the same universe. Uh, and uh, if you can find those bonus points. Uh, that's funny. I have to go back and go find it myself. I think I've, I think I did see it. It's just right now my mind is like on some other focusing <laughs> on something else. Oh no, it's okay. But, um, which one to you was the hardest story to write on this collection? Uh, we know again, your favorite, but which one was the hardest? Yeah. Again, probably those we left behind. And I say it was hard 
from a technical perspective uh, because uh, the, the idea for that story, like I told you, it takes place on Mars. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the characters are Mars colonists. Um, the idea for that story was that a person, the main character, would be on Earth and he would be the guy who be a guy who works at NASA and it's his job to sit and watch the feed from the Mars rover. And he started to see this person on Mars who shouldn't be on Mars in the footage from the Mars rover. And I started writing that story. And every time I would approach it, I would struggle to like all of my stories revolve around danger. It's very rare that I write something that's just creepy for the sake of being creepy. Uh, it's uh, there's, there's always a physical danger component. And it was very difficult for me to find a way to make something he was seeing on Mars be physically dangerous to him here. So I think I wrote like five different versions of the story where that was the case. And I was just like, screw it. I'm putting it on Mars. And so I did. And then the whole thing opened up from there. Uh, so uh, that one was just very difficult from a technical perspective to get started. I know when it comes to doing things, one of the, one thing always gets cut out. Like one, oh, that's one my, does... I'm sorry. I just noticed the, the comment down there. That's my aunt Donna. Hi, hi aunt oh. Donna. <laughs> and yes, you will get a copy. I'll make sure of it. <laughs> that's so nice. That's see guys. That's great. Family supporting family. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm very, that's very fortunate in that regard. Yeah, it's nice. The family affair. It's cool. We're chilling. It's, it's yeah. nice. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, what's that one story that had to be cut out, but you're kind of like, oh, I wish I could have kept you, but I'm going to mm -hmm. save you. Do you have a okay. title for that? I do. Uh, it, it's called, uh, there's a story, actually. I there, there came a moment when I was working out the timing for getting this out there that... Um, I was having to decide between submitting a couple of stories for uh, anthologies or, or collections uh, and keeping them for the book. Uh, and so I actually withdrew a couple of them. And sorry if uh, you guys are, if anybody who I withdrew from is, is watching this, I, I really wanted the stories for the book. Uh, but uh, I withdrew a couple of stories. And there was one that I really, really thought about including last minute, uh, but didn't do that because uh, I, love the idea for the anthology so much and I, I'm really keeping my fingers crossed for it. Uh, but that that uh, that I don't know but I don't know about it yet. But that story is called Ants Go Marching. Uh, and it's uh, it's a pretty freaky story uh, dealing with uh, again some of the family thematics that I've dealt with in a bunch of the a bunch of these stories. Uh, and it has a uh, at least at the beginning of it it has a beach theme. So uh, yeah. Uh, that one was partially inspired by my daughter running into an ant mound in the backyard. And that's always a freaky experience. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> as an adult, that's scary. Like, yeah. Me, oh, terrifying. Through, I, as a child, I can't imagine how scary that must be. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. It must be terrifying. Um, oh, I lost my question. It was a good one too, but I have, oh, some, man. I have some on my notes. It's fine. We'll All right. Like right. Eventually in my brain. So if you remember it, I want to hear it because now I'm super curious. Oh, I remember. Okay. Uh, so I'm so used to reading like psychological yeah. horror books where everything is very like in your head, like you're yeah. the one that's seen these things. Um, but what I noticed in your stories, everything is physical danger, which is something I haven't 
read in a while. Was that always, is that your favorite kind of trope or like, or do you yeah. plan on ever dealt like going into that other area of well, like look, psychological? That's a, that's a really good question. Cause yeah, I usually, it's the reason why I haven't written very many ghost stories because I love ghost stories. But I find it so difficult to make ghosts physically dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's a book. There's this book that I read as a kid, and it's called The Relentless Question, and it's by and I could find it if I googled it real quick, but I'm not gonna Google it right now. Uh, but it's by by this like academic guy, and I I found it. I think my mom picked it up somewhere, or I rented it at a at a uh, I rented it at a, uh, a library and just never returned it. It was in my house for years. Uh, and uh, but the relentless question was by this psychologist who was talking about ghosts. And I remember very clearly, uh, if not the perfect text, I remember the idea. But the, the line was something like, uh, the only way a ghost could ever hurt you is if it scared you so bad that you ran into a wall and injured yourself. Yeah. And that has been stuck in my head for so long and it's wrong. There's a thousand creative ways that ghosts can hurt you out there in horror fiction, but I always have trouble attaching myself to the physical danger of ghosts. And for whatever reason, at least at this point in my writing career or style or whatever, uh, I am very attached to the idea of physical danger as the stakes. So yeah, to your, to your point, it is something that, that I'm very attached to. Yeah, I, I noticed that throughout the, like, every story, I was like, all of this is, like, facts. This is, like, something that can <laughs> physically hurt you. It's gonna, if it slaps you, you're gonna feel it right now. It's nothing, like, no spiritual entity or anything. It's, like, physical. It's right in front of you. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Which I'm, like, at this point, I'm so used to, like, all the psychological stuff that it, it yeah. had to take me a second to switch it, where I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this <laughs> thing in front of me can, like, knock me out. Um Lou had a comment. She said, "Excuse me, I have to write. I have to go write a story about a ghost that scares you so much." <laughs> so <long. laughs> I love that. Go do it. Definitely yeah. do it. She uh, she's the author of this book. If I can like post it real quick, right? Do it. It's a beautiful cover. I, awesome. I'm That's gonna, a great cover. She's actually uh, on my list to interview, but hers is going to be pre-filmed, so I'm very excited for that. Uh, very so cool. Good to meet looking you. Looking forward to it, Lou. All right. So the next question, it's about your writing schedule. Telling you, I'm yeah. super nosy. I like to know everything about people. Do it. When you were writing this collection, what was your writing schedule look like? Uh, were you up at night, really late writing, up yeah. really early writing? What did it look like? Yeah, it's it's kind of different for every story because I approach each story as an individual project, and like I told you before, like I, I like to give myself space in between stories uh, because I find that if I just jump from one to the next and, and hit it hard and schedule everything, you know, super strictly that I, uh, I find that the quality of my work suffers a little bit. Like I, I have to give things room to breathe. And I think all writers are that way. We all have our own, um, our own thing. And, uh, you know, I've heard people say, Oh, you have to write every day or, Oh, you have to, you write for an hour every day or at least a thousand words or something like that. I started writing by trying to do exactly what Stephen King told me to do and on writing. And it was a terrible disaster. Like I, I, I think I got maybe a few good paragraphs out of that point in my career. Uh, and, uh, 
you know, so I find that I have to give it space in between, but when I'm writing a story, I'm writing it. And I usually, most of the stories in this book were written over the course of like three or four days, very quick. And uh, except for the flash fiction, which is usually like a day, like if I'm writing flash, I'll try to write it in a sitting, maybe two. Uh, but usually it's at night. I, I start like when my kids go to bed, it's like nine 30 is, is when I can finally get them into bed and quiet. Uh, and so I usually start then. And if I'm writing, uh, something that I'm really latched onto, I'll go to like midnight, one in the morning, one o'clock in the morning. Easy. From nine 30. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Easy. so are you a fan of NaNoWriMo by any chance? Say again. Are you a fan of NaNoWriMo? Uh, well, the, <laughs> I love that it exists. That's the yeah. thing about NaNoWriMo. I love that it exists, and I love that it's encouraging people to write more. Uh, the more people writing, the more perspectives we have. The more perspectives we have, the more rich the genre is. So, yes, go attack your NaNoWriMo project. That said, I cannot participate. It's too it's too tight of a schedule for me. I can't do a month, uh, and and I'll and I'll end up beating myself up over it. <laughs> Yeah, it, I think it's a good motivator, but at the same time, yeah. for people who don't like that added pressure, I don't think it's a good idea. But I'm always curious to see what authors think of it. Uh, yeah, that's why I asked you about your writing style to see if that's what's for you. Yeah. Uh, okay, so for before we get to the, the elevator pitch, yeah, if you can describe this collection in three simple words. What would it be? Okay, I want to do these three words. I feel like they're very cheesy. But I'm going to do them anyway, and then I'm going to explain them for half a second. I hope it's all right. It's okay. This question's a nacho bowl. So go okay. ahead. Let's okay. It. All right. So uh, so I'm going to say horror with heart. Horror with heart. And the reason that I'm going to say that, or the reason that I said that is uh, because I don't think that you get to horror without... Uh, without caring. I don't think you get to horror without love. I don't think you get to, to the place where you have to be to be scared of something without being deeply invested. So my goal in writing stories every time is, and my, and my wife tells me this, she's like, I don't really think you're a horror author. And I'm like, well, that's silly because the things that happen in my book are horrific. And, uh, and she said, yeah, but that's not the re that's not the point of the story that you're writing. That's what happens. But the point of the story is the characters and really the relationships between those characters and the anxieties and the and the, the feelings that these characters are having. And the the horrific circumstance, typically a supernatural horrific circumstance, this danger comes from uh, comes from something external. And the only reason why we care about how these characters react is because we care about them and they care about each other. Um, so I, I think that's really what I push for with every story. Yeah. Um, so I want to paint a scenario for us really quick. Yeah. Let's say I bump into you and in then in, in an elevator. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's tricky. Tricky question. Uh, and I noticed that you have this book with you. It's your book. Yeah. How would you describe this book to me? All right. Or how would you pitch it? <laughs> All right. Um, it's a short story collection full of evil wizards, carnivorous babies, deadly fairies, and talking trees, and characters that you really care about. 
Period. I love that. He said, I'm sold. Uh, <laughs> I'm sold. Love it. Love it. Uh, the, the actual placeholder cover. Who did yeah. that? That's actually, it reminds me a little bit of like an onion for some reason, but it's not an onion. It's a, oh, dude, it's it totally a... looks like, like a tuber or something or like yeah. a potato <laughs> or an onion. Yeah, no, I, I love that that piece of artwork. And the funny, the really funny thing about it is I just bought it on Shutterstock. Like I can go look up the artist. Uh, but uh, actually throughout the book, and by the way, if you guys haven't seen it, he was talking about this. Uh, it's actually the title page in the yeah. book. And it's like a tree with a skull yeah. growing below it, formed out of the roots. I love that picture. And actually, each one of the stories in the book starts with a little hand-drawn picture, like Bedtime Story has a lamp. Um, get to the next one. Tea Party has a stump. Those, these are all things that uh, appear or occur yeah, the within the story, sometimes really mundane objects. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really just did go to a stock photo website and like start looking for uh, drawings of certain objects that appear in the in the in the book and went and bought them off the stock image website and got the license and everything and included them in the book. So that and the title page, all of that is is like that. Yeah, it came out great. I remember when I first saw it, I was like, I was like, is this the cover? And then when you said it wasn't, I was like, well, I mean, I kind of started liking it. And then, but then you, the cover itself, yeah, looks freaking amazing. Uh, which, which, by the way, we do actually have. If she's still here, we do actually have. So the cover artist is the person who made the oil painting. That's Christopher Castillo Diaz. The text treatment and all the everything that's on the outside of the book uh, was <laughs> by uh, 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 cover designer uh, uh, Cassandra York who is here with us. She's actually author, also an indie author who wrote uh, a great book called uh, Marry Everything, uh, which is a, a great a sort of modern fantasy book. Uh, ticks a lot of really cool boxes. But she's here with us today, and she actually designed the cover for this, so that was pretty cool. Cassandra designed the cover for the, what we were looking at right now? She designed, like, the text treatment and everything else. She didn't do the painting, but she did, like, all the text and everything else. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, Congratulations, not congratulations, great job, Cassandra. <laughs> um, so I believe success means something different to everyone. Yeah. Uh, but what does success mean to you? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. It's something I've been trying to answer for myself over the course of these past couple of years because I've been doing so much uh, writing and just really kind of focusing on the craft. And then when I think about this book itself and releasing it and like what what will i be satisfied with as a response to this um honestly this is more about like i can't really attach myself to the idea of selling a bunch of books and i don't want to you know because the, that 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 really seems very commercial and it's not my bag entirely i started this with the idea like i had some friends uh, who who pushed me harder uh, to to make this into something more than I thought it was going to be at the beginning of it, because really the the initial idea, the inciting idea behind actually making this was that I wanted something to point to. When other writers, when I talked to other writers, and they were like, "Hey, what have you written?" and I didn't have a lot of work out there in a lot of publications. You know, I had maybe two three stories out there. Uh, I wanted something to point to and be like, oh, yeah, I wrote this. You could go read 16 of my stories, you know, or a whole bunch of my stories. Uh, and so that's part of the success is just telling telling what I believe are good stories to people who I believe tell good stories 
and having a connection on that level is something that means a lot to me. Nice. Um, so I, I jumped this question earlier, so I'm going to jump to it now, I guess. I'm going to ask you. Yeah, yeah, do it. Uh, how long did it take you from the initial idea to the yeah. end product for this collection? I need to go back and look because I had the tweet somewhere like way back on Twitter where I was like, I think I'm going to put all my stories into a book. And that was like, <laughs> but I think that was back in July. And so it's been like July or June or July until now. Uh, of this year? Uh, yeah, yeah. But That's but I had, but all but two of the stories were written already though. Like uh, the only two stories that weren't already written were uh, Goatman, uh, the Goatman and uh, Roots Run Deep, which is the one about the miners. And, uh, uh, those two stories uh, were not written uh, yet at the beginning of this process. And I think I was finishing those we left behind. But like 80, 90 percent of the book was done. Uh, and it was just a matter of getting it edited, uh, figuring out which order it goes into, figuring out how to format and all this stuff. So it was just uh, it was mostly logistics at that point. Actually, by the time I had finished Roots Run Deep and uh, and The Goat Man, by the time I finished those two stories, I already had the format landed on. So I just dropped them into. I, I use a formatting software and just dropped them into the software, and they were they were in there. That's good that you already had something like ready to go. You just you just need that green light, that like extra push to get it going. Was yeah. That, did that just come out of nowhere, or or did someone push you like to actually release this? <laughs> nobody pushed me to do it and I'm struggling to figure out where the idea came from. I think it was just legitimately that idea of like, I have 20 stories sitting here and uh, <laughs> my mom carnivorous babies. Yeah, they're in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, um, no, I think the idea to actually do it uh, came from that initial starting point of I have like 20 stories. I want other people to be able to see them Right now, it's like it's hit or miss on the anthologies. It's hit or miss on magazines, which, by the way, people rejecting your story from an anthology or a magazine to the other writers who are watching me right now, anybody, it does not mean your story is bad. It means it's not a fit for the thing that you're in, that you submitted to right that mm. second. I still believe in my stories, even though they got rejected from places. And other people have told me that they also believe in my stories. So... Your stories will find homes, and if they don't find the right home, you can give them a home. It's okay. Yeah. But just that idea of wanting to get it out there, wanting other people to see it, and and not really having much of an outlet to do that, uh, being as early in my in my process as I was, uh, was really the inciting event. And then, you know, I said, there's a ton of people that I look up to who do this, by the way, like Alfred Alley is, is an incredible author who has written like four, I think it's four now short story collections, just chock full of stories, uh, that are, that are amazing, gorgeous, hilarious, terrifying stories. Uh, Joshua Marcella, uh, has his short story collection coming out hunger for death. Uh, but he wrote Scratches and Severed, both of which are insanely. Amazing. I love Scratches and Severed. I don't know what the world. Oh, God, they're so good. But uh, those stories, I don't know. Matthew Bartlett. I'm wearing my WXXT T-shirt. If you've never read Matthew Bartlett, go read uh, uh, Creeping Waves or uh, uh, Gateways to Abomination. He's self-published. Like the, I, I'm really passionate on this subject. But uh, the 
the idea that you have to wait around for other people to see the value in your work before uh, before you know your work has any value is wrong. You see value in it. Put it out there. It's going to be good. Fun fact about Alfred Alley. His yeah. interview was actually today. Like, but since yeah. we went through his schedule, it, it opened up for me to. Oh have wow! One today, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, did you guys know uh, that Alfred wrote the? Uh, I'm really grateful for this. Alfred wrote the foreword for my book. If you can see that's, it, that's that's homie love right there. That's nice. That's yeah. friendship. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, I, I love Alfred. He was work. meant to be on today, uh, but uh, also thank you for letting me know ahead of time. Alfred for like the schedule because I, it sucks when like it's the day of or the day before like oh, I can't do it. You're yeah, like guys, I gotta have something, you know. I need content. Um, <laughs> so, but I'm glad yeah. you were able to like to jump on really quick. I appreciate authors who uh, put the effort to be like, hey, I'm available. Let's do this. Uh, because some people are like, no, yeah. it's like work around my schedule kind of thing, and I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to like find this kind of like this yeah. date. Well, you know, um, I, I just so I, I, I just happen to. Oh yeah, no, of course, yeah, and and I just happened to be really, uh, I mean, today has been a big day for me. I had uh, night nightworms ran my cover reveal earlier today at one o'clock, so you yeah. guys can see the cover over there. I was really excited about that. Uh, it, this also happens to be before I decided on doing any of this stuff. This was the date that I was going to release uh, for for pre-orders, so pre-orders are open now, and. Uh, I'm talking to you, Raul. So it's 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 been a, a huge day for me as far as self promotion and getting the book out there. Uh, so man, I'm just really grateful that you had the date open because I, I couldn't have planned it better. Yeah, it's perfect. It, yeah, as soon as you said that on the first of November, I was like, wait, that's perfect, like timing wise. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love when people have like the release date or like anything on the day of the interview because it feels like you're on a little. Um, promotional tour where you're like i have to go do this and then yeah. i'll do that yeah, yeah, yeah it's 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 great to get your name out there uh sure. so before i let you go i have two more questions first question is are you currently working on anything yeah so i got two short stories that i'm working on and i'm bouncing back and forth between them between them which is not my ideal scenario but it's uh it's what I, I like to do it one at a time but for whatever reasons both both of these stories hit me in the head at the same time so i've been bouncing back and forth uh, and then I have a novella idea. I think it's a novella. I'm outlining it right now. So that's how I'm working on it. But uh, that one I'm briefly describing to people is uh, Salem's Lot meets My Girl with werewolves and capitalism. So mm. fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, so Andres does have a question. Guys, if you guys have any questions, you guys can like squeeze in them right now because I'm about to wrap it up. Uh, so he has... Can I ask you what the inspiration for your siren story in the deep anthology was? Oh man, good question. And you read that? That's awesome. I'm so glad uh, that that people saw that. Uh, yeah, no, that uh, that's a good question. So I wanted to the I, I guess the seed of it was also the shower anxiety, the same kind of anxiety that that hits you in the shower whenever uh, it, that, that I was talking about inspired uh, the the other story in this in this book. Uh, so it kind of started there and the idea, I think somebody had mentioned uh, just sirens to me as a concept at one point, like it came up in conversation when we were talking about literature or something like that. And then I saw the, the, uh, the, I saw the, the actual post for, Hey, this anthology is going to be 
water themed and everything. And I was like, oh man, all pipes lead to the ocean, right? So uh, the the idea with uh, Siren in the Shower Drain, uh, if you guys haven't read it yet, is that uh, there's a man who from his shower can hear a woman singing uh, and it's coming from a, a, a siren-like creature who's on the other end of the drain pipe. And I won't ruin anything else that happens, but super creepy. Uh, really kind of gross, but uh, yeah, no physical good question. danger. Physical danger. <laughs> physical, da physical danger again. Yeah, no, it comes up. <laughs> it's creepy because yeah. it's funny when like sirens are described to be like really beautiful, but you know, damn well, there's those are some ugly creatures. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, if you spend any time looking at what. Uh, aquatic creatures look like they are severely alien and pretty yes. terrifying. Like, so, like yeah. jellyfish, they look like yeah, uh, yeah all these uh, like aquatic creatures look very yeah. Alien. Oh my god, that's perfect. There's a <laughs> whole bunch. Of, there's a whole bunch of the creatures. I think it pops up three times uh, in my book where uh, oh, something has uh, and, and I describe it. Uh, the creature in those we left behind, I describe as having needle-like teeth that fan out like the cilia on a on a Venus flytrap. Yeah, that image to me is very much inspired by like anglerfish mm -hmm. uh, and the, and those big weird mouth openings that ha that happen. So yeah, <laughs> Steve just popped in and wanted to ask, what was it like editing Steve <laughs> L. Park short story collection? It was I difficult to work with? Oh, you 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 did that with the the collapse of ordinary? Yeah, yeah, no, I I I did a last minute edit on collapse of ordinary, and I love Steve's book. Hey, Steve, I didn't know you're here. Uh, no, uh, no, that's a great book. You really should go and uh, and check out Collapse of Ordinary. I read Steve, that one. Really Steve, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Steve does excellent work in the same vein that I like to do uh, work, which is like the and his his title says it, Collapse of Ordinary. He likes to start in these ordinary, mundane situations and then pull the rug out from under you. Uh, I, I love Steve's book. So yeah, no, absolutely. And yes, Collapse of Ordinary, Steve O. Clark. Go get that one. I edited it. Steve wrote it and it's incredible. Yeah, I remember the first story really like hooked me in with the hotel. I worked yeah. nights. Oh yeah. So that that anything to do in a night shift, I'm like, ooh, this is hitting a little too close to home. Oh um, man, and the janitor character from that story, I wanted him to narrate the whole book. I loved that character. That was incredible. You know what? I was that whole podcasting because it's a millennial thing like where it's it's like i was like oh this kid this could have been me <laughs> oh i know right <laughs> it's really good yeah. and you don't and you don't uh and you don't uh <laughs> steve says that was not a shameless plug he just wanted to make me laugh well well <laughs> done but also i will shamelessly plug the hell out of your book steve because i love it uh but yeah no it was one actually one of the you don't see too often people using a lot of uh modern technology smartphones podcasts things like that and horror like you see it speckled here and there but it's it's not terribly common so mm -hmm. uh it, it was pretty cool that Steve did that and uh, i thought the podcast angle worked out really well yeah it was really creepy i was like i felt like this weird heavy feeling on my chest because i was like I, maybe i was anxious i don't know i was a little freaked out uh, <laughs> but before i let you go because first of all thank you so much for stopping by this has been a great interview uh, also, yeah. congrats on the cover reveal because it looks freaking amazing. Thank you, man. Uh, before I let you go, where can my audience find you? Yeah, uh, Twitter's the best place. Uh, I'm on there probably more than uh, I should be, uh, but uh, my handle on Twitter is <laughs> my handle on Twitter is at Brandon Applegate, but the eight at the end is the number eight. So uh, 
Brandon Apple G number eight. Very, very clever. Uh, come follow me. Uh, I uh, talk a lot of mess about movies and books and my family and, and we have a good time. Uh, and then also uh, my website, I recently uh, stood up a new website on Squarespace after years in the dark ages of WordPress. Uh, but uh, I, I'm at bapplegate.com or bapplegate.com, however you prefer to uh, pronounce that. Uh, and that's actually where you can pre-order uh, uh, pre-order signed copies, signed physical copies of my book. Uh, and uh, I'm planning on doing both hardback and paperback. So so come come get them. Uh, really quick question for those, and just in case I get this question later, uh, are you able to pre-order the uh, the ebook on Amazon, or is it just the physical, yep. physical copies? Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah no, you can you can do ebook. Yeah, if you want ebook, you can go to Amazon, pre-order ebook on Amazon. If you want a physical copy, signed copy, something like that, you can pre-order that uh, through my website. And then once, uh, problem is Amazon doesn't let you pre-order physical copies, so mm -hmm. I'll ha I'll have those launched live uh, on uh, November twenty third on the on the launch date for the book and you can order physical copies through amazon if you don't want me to deface it with my signature no, it's, it, <laughs> if anything uh yeah hardcover something if anything yeah. it adds that extra touch it makes you feel special when you get a signed copy I, oh, maybe man. it's just me but no i, I have a collection of them growing over there i've got like gordon v white i got one i got a signed copy of queen of teeth from Haley piper oh man i love this stuff i keep hearing about that book i really need to check it out yeah, I, yeah. Have, I have a couple of uh, signed copies from authors that i've been interviewed before and yep. it's just like when you open it, you're like, oh, they signed it. I, like, <laughs> it's not I like think I signed book. the. No, no, I didn't send you a physical copy. I sent you a digital one. I'll have to send you a physical copy, Ro, and I'll yeah, sign it for you. Send me an ebook. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> just for visual. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. So thank you guys for stopping by. Check out Those We Left Behind and Other Sacrifices by Brandon Applegate. Thank you, Brandon, for stopping by. I had so much fun talking to you. I appreciate you. Thank you, Cindy, for stopping by and supporting yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, you guys have a nice day, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye, Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Hey, let me try to get this real quick. There you go. <laughs>